Good morning. How are you guys this morning? I'm glad to see youth in the front row. They're always the best cheerleaders. Yay. Um, well, like Pastor Robert was saying, my name is Lexi, and, um, and I've had the honor to be on staff at Celebration for a really long time, um, 18 years. So I started when I was 10. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it has been a wonderful journey, and I'm so honored and excited to be with you guys this morning. And um, I just want you to know it's not something I take lightly at all. It's like one of the biggest deals I ever do. And I've been praying, and I've been seeking God, and I've been wrestling with this message because I just want it to be what heaven has for you in this moment. That's all I ask. That's what I've been praying. And I believe that God wants you to leave here today encouraged that you are on his team. And we're going to unpack all of that. But before we do, let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for meeting us here, God. Thank you that the very message that heaven has for this very group of people, God, would go forth right now in Jesus' name. That your word would go forth, God. That your spirit would go forth and that we would honor you in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we all know we've had a big football weekend in town, right? Does that matter to anybody? Doesn't really matter to me, but it matters very much to my husband, to Pastor John. So by, by marriage, I'm a Florida, um, I'm sorry, oh goodness, that's a bad, bad word in our house. I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan <laughs> by marriage. So, um, so I have to really care about that team. So obviously my husband is doing really well this morning, right? Because they had a great win yesterday. But, um, but really the first part of this message, what I want to do is I want to have a little pep rally for Jesus. Does that sound okay this morning? I want to have a little pep rally for Jesus. I want to remind us that when we step into our salvation, when we become children of God, it is a really big deal. So big, in fact, that a lot of times we forget what we are a part of. We forget what we have access to. And so I want to remind us of that this morning. I want to kick off with um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. And... Um, and it says this, and I think it'll be on the screen behind me as well. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Everybody say living hope. Good. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from, an, from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Okay, I want to repeat that again. Keep this in your brain to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through a faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. I don't know about you. Has anybody been grieved by various trials recently? Okay, good, I'm in good company then, right? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So... We're in a pep rally time, okay? I want us to get excited. I want us to be refreshed. I want us to be reminded whose team we are on, okay? We are heirs to an imperishable, unshakable kingdom, okay? Clap if that excites you. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. 
Our current circumstances are just temporary. And some of us would say amen to that, right? <laughs> amen. Thank you, Lord, that I don't have to keep enduring this over and over and over for eternity, but I have hope in what's to come, okay? And so um, Hebrews... Let me see where I am. Okay. Hebrews 12, 28 through 29 says this. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus letting us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So what are we reading there? We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We are part of something that is, that is steadfast, that is true, that is powerful, and we have access to all this as children of God. We don't have to do anything to earn it. We don't have to work for it. All we have to do is say, Jesus, you are my Lord, and I receive you as my Savior. And we step into this wonderful kingdom. We step into God's kingdom. We step into this place of unshakable, okay? So that's the pep rally part. Do we all feel a little excited about that? We feel like our excitement's a little bit renewed? Okay, let's shift gears just a little bit. But wait a second. You're telling me I have access to this kingdom. God is my king. He loves me, right? I have access to all this authority, all this power, but wait a second. How can I be on this winning team, right? The kingdom of God is the winning team, but I don't feel like I'm on this winning team because I feel so defeated. And how can you be telling me that I'm on this winning team and I have this king that is for me and that loves me unconditionally but yet all these things keep happening and all these trials keep coming. What, how, can God be, how can I be loyal to this king when I don't feel like he's loyal to me? Would anybody feel like you go through that? Okay, let's take the veil off. If you are a Christian, you do not have to have perfect faith. God does not require of that. God requires steadfast faith. He does not require perfection. And I want us to really get this this morning. I want us to understand that yes, our hope is in eternity. We are a part of an unshakable kingdom. But yes, there's this tension of being human, right? It's the great tension of being human and being a fleshly being, knowing we have eternity in a supernatural kingdom, right? We still have to be here. We're not there yet. We're not, I'm not ready yet. I, I want to watch my kids grow up, right? I want to I see them have kids and all this kind of stuff. But there's this tension that we live in. It's really called just being human. And sometimes what happens is so much of the world, so many waves of the world of disappointment, of trials, of disease, of heartache, of hardship, stress, worry, anxiety, all of these things, COVID, that's a wave in of itself, and then some, right? All these things keep overtaking us. And you know what happens when a wave keeps overtaking you? You ever been at the beach? One wave comes, okay, I can get back up. But they keep coming and coming and coming and you don't have time to get back up. You're in danger of drowning. You are in danger of being sucked out into the, into the undertow, right? And so the waves of the world keep coming. So how do we manage this hope and expectancy of being children of the kingdom and having this treasure that First Peter says is being saved for us? But yet, I still have to get up in the morning and deal with what I have to deal with. I still have to deal with these really hurtful relationships that are in my life. I still have to deal with losing a job and trying to feed my kids. I still have to deal with going through chemo, whatever it might be. What how do we deal with this, right? So I want to tell you this this morning. 
it's okay not to be okay. Can we have permission to say that to ourselves this morning? I'm giving you permission, and God is giving you permission. It's okay not to be okay. We do not have to fake it as Christians. We do not have to fake it, and actually, we're not supposed to. Because you know what? When we're going through our trials, when we are in our pain, and people around us can still see that we have a hope anchored in the kingdom that is to come, people see God inside of us, right? And so it is okay not to be okay. I want us to really get that this morning. Maybe there's places inside of you that you have not let God into because you're like, I'm living with this shame of these bad decisions that I made or this pain and trauma that's happened to me or maybe pain and trauma that I've caused other people and you kind of just carry it around and you hold it so tight and you're like, I know you're telling me I'm on the winning team. As a child of God, the kingdom of God is the winning team. Ultimately, he is going to win in the end. We already know this, right? But I'm just telling you, how can I feel like I'm on the winning team when I constantly feel defeated? How can I be loyal? How can I wear the jersey of heaven when I feel like the king of heaven is not loyal to me? And I just want you to know that your circumstances and what's happened to you and everything that's gone on in your life does not mean that God is not loyal to you. Okay? And so I want to go to Hebrews 6 verses 19 through 20. And it says this. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has, a, has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's go back. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, okay? So we're on the winning team, right? Just to recap really quick. We pep rally. We are on God's team. We want to live for the kingdom. We want to wear the jersey of heaven. We want to live for Jesus. But life happens. It's hard. And it's painful. And there's struggle after struggle and challenges after challenges. And sometimes we get so tired. Does anybody ever just get to the point and you feel numb? You're like, listen, I pray, but I don't hear God. I worship, and I don't feel God. I do all these things, and I don't have any evidence that he is around me. Does anybody ever feel like that? And you just feel numb to hearing his voice. I know that today he wants to refresh that inside of you. He wants to deposit a new hope inside of you, a renewed hope inside of you. Because let me tell you this, when you go through trials and when you go through struggles and just life in general, naturally we are going to anchor ourselves to something. And whatever we anchor ourselves to, that is the direction in which our life takes, right? Another way to say it is we worship what we magnify, let me say that again. We worship what we magnify. So you know you're on the, on the team of heaven, right? You know you're on the winning team. And life is happening so fast. Hurts and trials and challenges and stresses and kids are going crazy and relationships and all this kind of stuff. And you know what happens? We start drift. We, we unanchor ourselves and we start drifting. And we, we drift a little bit at a time. It's a, it's a scheme of the enemy. A little bit at a time little bit at a time. And then before we know it, we're so far away, right? And we've given him a foothold by doing that. But I want to encourage you today that when you are magnifying the things of this world, and trust me, I've done this. I do this. It's a daily thing for me that I have to literally lay down every single day. But when you magnify what's going on in your life, when you magnify pain and stress and heartache and challenges, you, you worship what is here. 
You worship what is right here. So if all those things, God had to tell me one time, very clearly, he said, you, I was crying out to him. I was like, God, I worship you. I can't do this anymore. I'm so stressed out. He said, it's because you're, you're not worshiping me. You're worshiping your stress. It's all you talk about. It's all you think about. It's all you look to. And I was like, oh, oh, you're right. It was here. I had taken that stress and I had put it as a pedestal on my life. And I kept looking to it and I kept talking about it and I kept speaking to it and I kept telling everybody else around me about it. And before you know it, my stress and worry was here and God was somewhere back here. And I kept worshiping it and I magnified it. And God said, you say with your mouth you're worshiping me, but you're not. Your heart attitude and your actions are worshiping the stress and pain that you're dealing with right now. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. Life is hard and it hurts and things happen. And I can't tell you that you're going to leave here today and wake up tomorrow and you're never going to have to face another trial again because I would be lying to you and I shouldn't be speaking to you. <laughs> but I will tell you this, that God wants you to anchor yourself to him. And the way that we can remain on the winning team the way that we continue to wear the jersey of heaven, the jersey that represents our king, even through life's hardest times, is there's no other way for me to say it to you. I'm so sorry. You have to push through. Let's go back to the pep rally. Yes, clap. That is good. That's a good, yes, thank you. You have to push through. So let's go back to the pep rally for a second. You have to push through. How do you push through? If you don't push through, the enemy is going to take over, okay? I want, to, I want you to get this visual in your mind. I love National Geographic. I love watching it. I'm a nerd. If I had to choose a second career, I want to be a wildlife filmmaker. Some people know this about me. Now everybody does. But um, when you're watching, like, a lion hunt, right, in the savannah, they're on the, the plains of the Serengeti. Let's say that there's a the herd of lionesses. Let's say they're, they're hunting some zebras. I saw, I saw this one time, and it always stuck with me. So they go after these zebras, right? They are more likely, most likely, to wait. If a zebra's coming through in a herd, right, they're together, okay? Community, the zebras are in community. There's safety in numbers, okay? The lionesses are gonna wait for a sick zebra, maybe a really old and feeble zebra, maybe a zebra that's isolated himself. They are going to waylay for this opportunity, why? because it takes much less energy to take down somebody who's sick and, and low on energy and old and feeble and isolated than it does to go to the front of the herd. Those lionesses only have so much energy. Satan only has so much time. And guess what? He doesn't want to go to the front of the herd and try to take down the, the strong zebra because every other zebra is going to see him, right? They want to wait. The enemy, remember, Scripture says he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he wants to wait for you to become feeble, spiritually speaking, okay? Weak, isolated. Oh, I wanted to go to church, but, you know, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so down. I'm so down. That is when it matters the most, okay? That is when it matters the most. You have to push through. This is me giving you a pep talk. This is me being your coach for just a second, your spiritual coach. You have to push through. Life is going to come. We cannot outrun the trials. We cannot outrun the pain. We cannot outrun it. It's going to happen. What do we do in it? it did, that determines what team we stay on. Are we going to stay on the winning team even when it's hard? Because guess what? There's a lot of fans out there. We all 
all know this. Jaguar fans are very situational, except for Pastor John Wyatt, okay? Jaguar fans are very situational. Having a great season, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to wear this jersey. Not having a great season, I'm not a Jaguar fan, right? And so do we do that with the kingdom of heaven? When God is giving us what we need, do we say, oh, kingdom of heaven jersey, go Jesus, I'm on team Jesus. Oh, but you lost your job. Oh, but you, your, your relationship is straining. Oh, but you're going through depression. Oh, leave that jersey over there. Guess what? I'm sorry to say to you, there is no gray area when it comes to the teams. There's the team of the kingdom of God and there's the team of the world. And you have to make a conscious choice every single day, every single second, every single situation. You have to say, I am not taking off this kingdom jersey, no matter what. My hope is anchored. It is anchored. I'm worshiping God. I'm not worshiping my circumstances. I want to share a story with you really quick, and then I want to share you, show you a picture. But um, so uh, about three years ago, my husband and I had been trying to have a second baby for a long time, and I had settled in my heart. We already had one daughter, and I said, we have one daughter, and I'm going to be thankful for what I have, and I'm going to stop focusing on what I don't have, and I'm going to be thankful, and I'm going to move forward with my life because it over t- it's, it's marital strain. It's stressful. You feel like there's something wrong with you. I never stopped declaring I would go into the room where I, where I saw this baby would be, and I would anoint it with oil, and I would declare that there will be a baby in this room someday. So one day, I found out that I was pregnant with, our, it would have been our second child. And, um, and I was like, I was excited, but also nervous. And I was just like, okay, just, we need to get some time going through, get to the doctor. And I was like, God, you did it. Like, you did it. You came through. Like, wow, I had reconciled in my heart, this might not happen. So I go into the doctor and um, get my first ultrasound. That's where you go to hear the heartbeat, right? And um, the... Um, the lady doing the sonogram was taking so long. And I was like, please say something. It's just silence. And I didn't want to ask her questions because I didn't want to, you know, her to feel pressured. And so she was like, "Um, I don't know how to say this, but it looks like that I can't find a heartbeat. And I was like, oh, no, I'm sure you just need to try a little bit harder. And I was in denial, total denial. And and she said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you go to the exam room. I'm going to get the doctor to look at this ultrasound, and then, you know, you come back in. The doctor is going to come visit you, okay? So I go in this exam room for 45 minutes by myself in dead silence. (laughs) And you're just waiting. Do I have a baby inside of me that's alive or not? It's a morbid feeling, to be honest. And um, it doesn't feel like, that doesn't feel like a feeling of the kingdom. I'm just, I'm going to be honest with you, right? And, um, And so I will tell you this, though. In that moment, I knew I had a choice. I knew The enemy was waylaying. I was getting weaker. I was about to go through disappointment. I was about to go through heartache. And I stood up in that exam room with nobody else around me. And I didn't care who in the hallway heard me. And I literally stood up and I said, devil, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you that if this baby is alive or not, it will not change the way I love God. And it will not change the way that God loves me. And it will not change the way I view God. He is my gracious, loving Father, and my hope is anchored to Him. No matter what, I'm just letting you know, this could be the best news of my life. This could be the worst news. It does not change my place on the winning team. The doctor came in, so sorry. There's no heartbeat. The baby did not grow after six weeks. Okay, and I go on. I had to have a really bad surgery from it. It was just a really bad experience. But you know, 
in that moment, I had a choice. Man, I could have gone. It takes an instant for years, 20 years of walking with God in an instant. I could have made a choice to join the other team. I could have said, you know what, God, I'm done. I've been loyal to you. I have served you in ministry. I have led people to you. I have witnessed to you to my unsaved family. I have given my career and my life to you. And this is what you have for me? This is what you have for me? Uh-uh. No, no. Because you know what? When they went in for the surgery, you know what they said? They said, Mrs. Goodman, there is tissue. I'm sorry, I'm going to say the word uterus for all the guys in the room. I'm sorry, but you all grew in one, so it's okay. Um, they said, Mrs. Goodman, there was tissue in your uterus that would have stopped you from being able to get pregnant. I had to go through that pain in that surgery, in that heartache, to get to the place of having what I now have, a two-year-old healthy little girl. But you know what I had to do? I had to use my voice. And I wanna show you this picture really quick, okay? It looks funny, but I'm gonna explain it to you, okay? So, <laughs> not a typical Sunday morning photo, right? Back to National Geographic, sorry, I can't help myself. Okay, so this is a picture of a fish. I saw an article recently. It was caught in a Texas lake last week, okay? And inside of its mouth, you might see something that looks like a creature, okay? It is true. There is a creature in its mouth, okay? So there's this, it's a parasite. It's called an isopod parasite, and it preys on certain species of fish. And what it does is it's the only parasite known to science that goes into a fish's mouth and goes into an animal's mouth, and it, it goes into the tongue, it detaches the fish's tongue, okay, so the fish no longer has a tongue, and the parasite attaches itself to the fish's mouth, and it becomes the fish's tongue. What a better way to see what the enemy can do to us if we give him the power. And we're not going to be a people that give him the power. We're not. Because you know why? You know what the greatest news is about this picture? The fish didn't have a choice, but we do. The fish had to surrender, and the parasite doesn't go in to just kill the fish. It dies a slow, long death. It will starve. It starves to death because the parasite becomes its tongue. Who have we allowed to take control of our tongue? Do we remember that we're on the winning team? Do we remember that our hope is anchored to Jesus Christ and to a kingdom that cannot be shaken? Or do we allow the things of this world to continuously overtake us in such a way that we decide to throw off the jersey of the kingdom? Let me just tell you this morning, pick it back up, please. God does not want you to live in a place of brokenness. God does not want you to live in a place of fear and depression and worry. None of those things belong to any child of God. Those are not of God, they are not from God, and he does not want those for his children. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to become a people that proudly wear the team jersey of heaven. You know why? You know what super fans do? Super fans are always trying to recruit people to their team, right? Oh, no, your team lost? Come and join my team, right? Alabama is probably a great, a great example of this, right? Everybody wants to be a bandwagon Alabama fan because they're the best in the, in the SEC. But listen... When we are proud of our team, when we have confidence in what our team represents, we recruit others, right? And I want to read this, and the worship team can come back up. And I just want to give us a chance to respond this morning. 
and, um, and just let God do the work. I'm done. God can do the rest, right? So Psalm 28, verses 7 through 8 says this, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts. And with my song, I give thanks to him. So right there, two ways. With my song, I give thanks. But you can't do that if the enemy has attached himself to your tongue like a parasite. Okay? The Lord is, my, is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. I just want to encourage you this morning. Listen, it is hard to be human. <laughs> it's okay not to be okay. There is no part of you. There is nothing you have done. There is no shame that you are living in. There is nothing that you have done to other people or maybe something has happened to you. There is nothing that God doesn't love and want to redeem. And perhaps you might feel, and you can begin to stand too as we go back into this time of worship, perhaps you might feel that, listen, no, no, you don't understand. I've done some bad things, or some bad things have happened to me, I'm just telling you. And I know that I want to be loyal to the kingdom of God, and I know I want to be on that team, but this world has taken me down. God wants you to get back up this morning. Get back up this morning. Amen. You know why you need to get up? Because there's other people that God needs you to help get up as well. So we get up to get up others up so they can get others up so they can get others up so that everybody can come into the family of God. And you know what stops that? What stops that is when we allow the enemy to tell us lies like, nope, the kingdom isn't what it is. God wouldn't let this happen to you if he loved you. Those are lies. And you're going to use your voice this morning and you're going to use your tongue to rebuke that in Jesus' name. And you are going to claim your loyalty to God's kingdom. You are going to show the enemy once and for all what team jersey you are wearing like I did in that doctor's office. Uh-uh. You are not getting this jersey off of me. You can try everything, devil. You can try everything. I'm not taking it off. I'm loyal to my king. I am loyal to my kingdom, and I am loyal to the kingdom that cannot be shaken. And maybe there's times I might not be okay, and maybe there's times I might lose my hope a little bit. Uh-uh, but I'm not taking it off. I'm staying anchored to the, to the treasure in heaven that is promised and waiting for me.